Amen. Well, this morning for our message, we're going to be in Acts chapter 18. If you brought a Bible or a phone with you and you want to turn there or there's a Bible in the pew in front of you, uh, if that's helpful to you, we'll also be putting the words uh, up on the screen. But before we read from there, just to emphasize, so next week is our barbecue reach, which is for us as a church family, we commit at the beginning of the year to give out of our general budget uh, a percentage of what comes in to global missions. And so we give about 15% of what comes into our general uh, contributions already committed to uh, local, regional, and global missionaries. And then once a year, we have a fundraiser where we ask a few of those, particularly the global ones, if there are any additional projects or needs that have come up that if we had a fundraiser that those needs could go and support. And so the video that you saw from the Sobeys uh, was highlighting that last year they had submitted a few ideas and projects that they had in mind. And as this pandemic has not only affected us, but the whole world, one of the very things that they had desired to do was to have a, a mass gathering of people to record Christian singing. And so they were gonna bring people from all over Ukraine and basically try to make an album and then minister to people through music. And they weren't allowed to get large groups of people together just like we were. And yet they wanted to use the funds that were raised. And so they found additional ways to use those funds for medical needs, for that um, Christian camp, for children with special needs, and then also for their own ministry out of the lighthouse as programming there was allowed to resume. Last week we heard from the Baptist Theological School in Novi Sad, Serbia, and the projects that they have, and that they're able to be fully digital uh, in their programming, and any uh, additional funds helps to support the staff who work at the school, helps more students and scholarships to attend the school, and now that they actually have people that have graduated from the four-year program, additional funds could enable some of those four-year graduates to now pursue a master's degree, and they would be getting a master's from a seminary here uh, in the United States. Actually, Grace College is one of the colleges that has said that their four-year students could come and now get into their master's program. But therefore, they have to pay an American tuition uh, in order to do that because they'll be getting it accredited from an American institution. So that makes it more of an expensive thing for them. And then we're also going to be supporting Heartline Ministries, and next week we'll show that video. Uh, but everything that's raised next week in our um, uh, fundraiser is uh, an opportunity to bless each of those three organizations with something that at the beginning of the year they either didn't know about or was an expense they weren't aware was on the horizon and that would be divided up among the three of them to be spent. Uh, we are planning for a barbecue to be outside afterwards, so if the forecast next week is pouring rain, uh, we will have already made all the food, and what we will do is then have a team of people who is as are assembling it in boxes so you can take a boxed lunch to go uh, so that you can still enjoy it. And if you want to be one of those people who helps to box it up, uh, we had sent out a form via our uh, Lakeside letter, but you can also see Cindy after service, and she'll just make a note of anyone who's willing to help next week in the prep of the food, in the delivery of the food, uh, as we have that time. Usually for the kids, we would get a bounce house out in the backyard and let them jump around, so we're not doing that, but what I've decided to try to do is I'm going to block off a certain part of the parking lot and make it a free-reign uh, bicycle space, and so if you have a bike and a helmet, bring it next week. 
uh, and we will make sure there's a good part of our parking lot that you can ride on freely afterwards if the weather cooperates. We're still planning to have a volleyball court up. That's a low contact uh, sport. And so if the weather's good, we'll have lunch and enjoy the outside for as long as we can. And if the weather is terrible, we will raise money for a good cause and you'll have lunch to go and you won't have to worry about it. Uh, but that's what's happening next week. And because of that, which is an annual rhythm for us, we usually take the month of August to talk about missions. And so what we're doing is going through the book of Acts and seeing how in the early church, it was always the case that all good and meaningful work that was accomplished in the kingdom was a matter of teamwork, was a matter of partnership between people. That there was never just sort of one hero that could get everything done. Jesus is our one savior and our one Messiah, but everyone who follows him now becomes part of a family becomes a part of something larger than just themselves. And so in becoming a Christian, you also have new brothers and sisters in Christ. It's weird to talk like that. It would have been even weird back then for them to call someone a brother or a sister for whom they did not share uh, a mother or a father, or then increasingly whom they didn't even share an ethnic background. Uh, but that's what we see in the book of Acts, that as the gospel spreads, people who otherwise would not have considered each other family consider each other family, and so we see all the ways in which they supported one another through that. And we've been going through Acts and seeing how uh, even some of the, if you will, the supporting cast, the, the less famous people in the book of Acts were absolutely critical to the mission advancing. And so that's true in our own lives. If we're gonna be effective witnesses at school, witnesses at work, witnesses in our neighborhoods, there's individual choices we have to make, but we will be more effective if we feel that there are people supporting us, people praying for us, people helping us, people coaching us. Uh, it's a team effort that we're all in. And so this morning we're looking now at a husband and wife team called Priscilla and Aquila in Acts chapter 18. And we'll read the majority of the chapter. Acts 18, it says, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife, Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, and he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Now we'll jump down to verse 18. After this, Paul stayed many days longer, and then took leave of the brothers and sisters, and set sail from Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila. And at Synchrony he had his hair cut, for he was under a vow. And then they came to Ephesus, and he left them there, but he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. 
When he landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch, and after spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He'd been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and talked accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. And that concludes our reading for this morning. Next week, we'll look a little more closely at Apollos as our next member of the supporting cast. But today, we're looking at Priscilla and Aquila. And one of the unique things when we study them is that, uh, as we've been emphasizing up until now, partnership of Barnabas with Paul and then Silas with Paul, we actually see this partnership between Priscilla and Aquila first in their relationship with each other, then in their relationship with other people and how they help them. But their marriage was this partnership that we never have them referred to apart from being referred to together. And that's a unique thing. There's plenty of characters in the Bible that we know a lot about, but if you're like in a Bible trivia quiz and someone says, what was Moses' wife's name? You're like, oh, uh, maybe some of you know it, but some of you are like, you know, I'd have to look it up. I, I would doubt myself. And there are many characters in the Bible like that. But there are some that we never refer to without usually referring to them together. And so Priscilla and Aquila, it's almost like Adam and Eve. Rarely do you hear someone talk about Eve without talking about Adam or talking about Adam without talking about Eve. They just go together, this couple. Every reference in Acts, and then uh, even when they're referred to by Paul in his letter to the Romans, he refers to them together again. And what we see is that they're partners in business, that they're partners together in how they learned from Paul, and then they were partners as they were influential left by Paul in Ephesus to help care for a new congregation that was there. So they model this amazing partnership with each other before they partnered with any other person. And when you take note of that and how unique that is, even in the book of Acts, uh, for me, one of the things that it's a reminder of is God's original intention God's created intention, uh, that when he gave in Genesis 1, after creating male and female in his own image, the commandment to go into all the world and multiply and be fruitful and to subdue it, he gave it to them as male and female. He says, I've made you in my image, and now I want you as human beings to go and do this, and you're going to do it together. And then it's in in, uh, Genesis chapter 2, when we go backwards and Adam is by himself, that is the first time in scripture that we see before sin where God says something is not good. And it's while Adam is still alone. He says, it's not good for Adam to be alone. The commandments that I've given in order for them to be fulfilled need to be done together, need to be done in partnership. And so from the beginning, before there was any sin, God created us to be interdependent upon one another to need relationships with one another and by how we treat one another to be successful in what we desire to do 
in the world. And so the not good of Genesis chapter 2 when Adam was alone was not that something was bad, but it's that something wasn't complete yet. Sometimes when we hear the word perfect, uh, what usually comes into our mind is that there's uh, nothing wrong or bad about it, which is one way of using the word perfect. But in scripture, another way to talk about something being perfect is for it to be completed. So something that was begun, if it's not yet been finished, then it's not yet been perfected. So it's not that something wrong is going on. Like this morning, again, there's going to be the fourth round of a golf tournament. Every golf tournament is designed to be a four-day event. So there are three rounds in, there's one round to go. So who's, who's winning? We could know. Who's going to win? We don't know. It's not yet been completed. It was designed from the beginning that the winner is only crowned after the fourth round. And so seeing it all the way through is a part of seeing it perfected or seeing it made complete. And God created the world with certain plans and purposes that even when they were good, at the very beginning, they hadn't yet fulfilled all of the purposes for which they were created. And so when it was just Adam, God said, it's not that something's wrong with Adam, but I created Adam in order to have this relationship with Eve. And so until there's Adam and Eve, it's not good. It's good when they're together. It's good when they're in partnership. And now they can go into the world and do the things that I've asked them to do. That's what we mean by God's original created intention for making male and female. That in most situations in the world, when we look and say it's a woman alone or men alone, there is something missing about the way God has made us and that how we are supposed to gift one another with our insight and wisdom in ways of doing things differently. And Priscilla and Quilla are this model of that. I had an experience uh, this past week that kind of uh, highlighted this in a, in a funny way for me. Uh, I went to get a lunch at Dave's Cosmic Subs. And I don't know how well you know me, but I'm kind of a fish out of water at Dave's Cosmic Subs, if you've ever been there. But I'm not a child of the 60s. And when you walk in there, everything on the wall is this testament to like, the 60s and 70s, and I wasn't at Woodstock, and so I kind of like get there to order food, and I just kind of look around, and I just realize this, I don't know most of these people, I don't know most of their songs, many people who I, I like and respect have told me the Beatles are the best ever, and I've never listened to a Beatles song and thought, I want to listen to that again, like I just, it's never resonated with me in ways that it's resonated with other people, so I like, I stand there in line usually, and I'm kind of I don't exactly fit here, but they have one sandwich that I do really like that a friend of mine introduced me to. It's their far out chicken, but substitute tuna for the chicken. And it's a really good spicy sandwich. And I don't even like tuna, but it gets me there like every two weeks at least to go. Well, this time, not only do I feel like a fish out of water at that uh, place, but oftentimes when I'm looking around, we kind of all feel like a fish out of water. You know, it's someone who's just coming on a lunch break and they're dressed up in khakis and a polo and they've got a badge for work or something. And it's like, you don't look like you're about to go to Woodstock either. Like what, but we both like these sandwiches. Well, this week, the person standing in front of me was finally someone that just seemed to fit. I was like, okay, I think this person is maybe 20, 25 years my senior. I think this was popular in his day, and he still had really nice long hair himself, and I was like admiring it and saying, okay, I, he seems to like fit here. So he orders his food, and then he, he goes back, and now I order. And then he starts a conversation with someone all the way across 
the restaurant. Someone who's just waiting for their order to be done. And then afterwards, in this conversation that the whole restaurant can hear, uh, one of the things he says, he goes, I'm Dave, you know. And he goes like this, and he keeps talking, and then he offers to buy this lady her lunch. And he goes up to the counter, and he says, give her a refund. And so the, the cashier gives a refund, and he pays for the meal himself. And I'm like, he's Dave. What, what did that mean? And then I see the manager come in, who I'm used to, and he looks at him, and very quickly is like, I'll be right with you, I promise. I'm just in the middle of something. So I pull out my phone, and I Google owner of Dave's Cosmic Subs. And a picture pops up, and I'm like, that's Dave. That's the Dave. Yes, this fits. This is exactly how, like, he does. This is his place. He can talk across the whole thing and pick up a tab for somebody. This, he designed this place. It fits him perfectly. And so then when I came home, I was trying to tell the boys, but we never, I don't know what kid sandwiches they have there, so we don't ever take them there. So I was trying to explain it to them just how cool it was to, like, meet the owner of a place. So Amy was like, it's like meeting Jimmy of Jimmy John's. Because that, they know more. And I was like, yeah, it'd be like meeting Jimmy. Who, is there a Jimmy? I don't know. I didn't think there was a Dave. I just thought that was the name. Uh, I didn't know it started in Chagrin Falls, and now it's in several places. But it's one of those moments of, okay, this is cool, because finally this makes sense. This is how it was designed to be. This is where I can see that the owner and the creator is in his comfortable setting. And when you hear about Priscilla and Aquila in Acts chapter 18 and see that they're always referred to together. They're always working together. Whether it's in business, whether it's at church, whether it's learning as students under Paul, this is how it's supposed to be. This is what God had in mind from the beginning. To have this interdependent relationship where both of them are flourishing and actually the first time they're referred to, it's Aquila, who Paul meets, followed by his wife's name, Priscilla, but then every other time in the New Testament they're referred to, Priscilla is referred to first, and then Aquila. And most commentators uh, of Scripture will say name order matters. And so when we read, usually, uh, Peter and John, or Peter, James, and John, when we see an order, the author is also telling us something about the significance of their relationship with one another. And so the fact that it switches to being Priscilla first every other time is this indication of a dynamic relationship between the two of them that they are co-laborers in everything that they were doing. They're working together in beautiful ways. And we see that as God's created intention. But we also see in this chapter, real quickly, sin's uh, universal disruption. So they came to Corinth because together they got kicked out of Rome. The emperor was frustrated by religious disputes that were going on between the Jews, which we believe was a dispute about who is this Jesus? Is the Messiah here? Has he come? Should we worship him? And sort of in a dismissive way, the Emperor of Rome just, I don't want to deal with this, and so I'm kicking all of you out for a period of time. And so whether or not they were good citizens of Rome, whether they were making good tents or not, no matter how successful their business was, we also see that this world is fallen. It's been corrupted. And so people can be kicked out of where they live, where they've been trying to build a business. And for everything we can tell, because of nothing that they've done wrong. And Paul has come here because he's just been laughed out of Athens, where he wanted to preach the gospel. Uh, from everything we can tell, Paul went there more as a vacation than as a specific part of ministry. He'd gotten beat up a couple times, and they said, Paul, just like go. Go to Athens and take a break. And so a team didn't go with him there 
they stayed behind and that team rejoins them here in Corinth. But Paul being Paul, wherever he is, his faith matters to him and so he preaches a message there but he gets persecuted there. And so he now comes to Corinth and so they meet each other and they meet each other because they share a common job, a common vocation. They're tent makers or it could be leather workers uh, in the first century. And so here is Paul, an amazing missionary who needs to work temporarily in order to sustain what he's doing. And he finds them and they're already have set up shop and if he works together with them they can all support the good work that's being done we don't ever learn at what point in time Priscilla and Aquila themselves become believers in Jesus as the Messiah did it happen before this did it happen in that year and a half while Paul was with them we know it happens but it doesn't tell us exactly when it happened but we see that for a while Paul has to work this job though he he feels called to be a missionary until he's rejoined by Timothy and Silas and then it says he was able to give himself fully to the work of preaching and teaching. And so we see sin's disruption in this way that even though Paul felt called to be a missionary and that's what he was doing, there was a period of time where it was, Paul, you're not gonna stop doing that, but it's not gonna look exactly like you want it to look. You need to work this job so you can support yourself because there's not enough here to support you. And so for you to be effective and for you to stay here for any length of time, you have to be prepared to work an ordinary job. Now, we know that all work is an opportunity to serve and glorify God, but for Paul, this would have again felt like a disruption, uh, that there were things he wanted to do that he couldn't do. For Priscilla and Aquila, they wanted to be in Rome, but they weren't allowed to be. Uh, And then they formed this unique partnership of tent making there in Corinth. And it says that the ministry was so effective there that people pleaded with them to stay for a year and a half. And so Priscilla and Aquila got to learn under Paul for a year and a half. Then Paul takes them with him on his next trip. They go to Ephesus. People there ask the same thing. Paul, would you stay with us? And he says, no. So he doesn't stay there like he had stayed in Corinth, but he leaves Priscilla and Aquila there. They're now prepared to stay in Ephesus so Paul can keep on going. And we see that. So the way sin has disrupted our world is that even when we have good intentions, even what we want to do is God's work, we don't control always how it's done or where it's done or for how long it's done. We're affected by all kinds of things. Priscilla and Aquila were affected by the policy making of the emperor. Uh, they were affected in Corinth by how well business was doing. And then in Ephesus, they're affected by what the other plans are. And Paul feels this call to keep going to as many places as he can. And that means he can't stay where they otherwise want him to stay. And so when we say that this world is sinful, it's not just that there's sinful behavior in it. It means it's fallen to the point that even our good work is all affected by it. There is a a feeling of disruption and restlessness in all of our work. Sometimes we're not prepared for that when we think we're doing God's work, but it's just as much there as it is anywhere else. It's just as frustrating in the church as it is outside the church. It's just as hard if you're a missionary or if you're not. Sin has affected this world, that there are these disruptions all over the place. But yet we also see in this chapter the gospel's work of restoration. 
that even though there was that disruption, what we see in Priscilla and Aquila is this amazing example of a couple who are willing to be flexible and adaptable to do what God has asked them to do where he's asked them to do it. And so if it's setting up a new shop in a new city in Corinth, they're willing to do it. And though they were successful at it, when Paul said, I want you to set up shop somewhere else again, really? (laughs) It's not an easy thing to run a business in multiple cities today when you can communicate instantly across cities. It's It's not an easy thing for them to have been kicked out of Rome and then be asked voluntarily to follow Paul to Ephesus. But they're willing to do it. And they show in their partnering with each other, it's not disruptive to their marriage from everything we can tell. They're Priscilla and Aquila. They're working on this together. They're for each other. And then when someone comes into Ephesus named Apollos, who's described as a Jew, a native of Alexandria, who was eloquent, an eloquent man and competent in the scriptures, they see this new potential leader in the church. They're listening to him, and they realize he has so much potential, but he also has so much to still learn. And they don't want to discourage him. They want to help him become stronger for the future. And so they say, Apollos, we'd love to have you over for dinner. Really? Yeah. And their intentions are not simply to feed him food. They see potential, but they also want to help him find growth. And so they invite him to come and not say, hey, you're so eloquent, just go do whatever you want. They realize they have a responsibility as people more mature in the faith to help teach him a few things about life, but also to help instruct him in the scriptures both Priscilla and Aquila, with a year and a half under the Apostle Paul, have something to teach Apollos. And we'll see next week that he does, is willing to be the humble person to say, absolutely, teach me what you know. <laughs> Help me. Don't, don't allow just the fact that I'm eloquent to substitute for the fact that I need to learn and I need to grow. And both of you are able to teach me and instruct me and help me become better than I am now and we see that that is God through his Holy Spirit in their lives and bringing them to faith in him to also restore God's original intention that all of us are partnering together that the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 was poured out on male and female on young and old as this testimony to now how the gospel was seeking to bring back through the church this living example to the world of this is how it was always supposed to be. And that's our calling to show the world. We have an opportunity in our everyday work, in our marriages, in how we do ministry, and how we're willing to learn, to say to the world, oh, that makes sense now. (laughs) That fits. That's the goodness of male and female. That's the goodness of young and old. That's the goodness of people who aren't putting themselves first but willing to lay down their lives for another people. It, it makes more sense now because the Holy Spirit is working in us to restore our own hearts to showcase that for the world. Now, none of us do that perfectly. We all need God's grace to do that. But hopefully our hearts are inclined to say, that is what we want to do. 
We want to learn how to love each other well enough that we show the world what it was always supposed to be like. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and the example that we have in this couple, Priscilla and Aquila, who in a fallen world, in spite of all of its disruption, in their being banished from a city uh, at no fault of their own, in everything that they experienced, the testimony and witness of their lives to trust in you, to advance your message, to partner together in how they loved each other, how they learned together from the apostle, and then how they were willing to take another person under their wing and mentor him to be strong in the future. Father, we do pray that you would help us to see all of the gifts that you have given us and all of the opportunities we have to serve you, that we can partner together first in our own homes and then in our neighborhoods and then in our region and then across this world so that together we're stronger to serve you and to show the world just how amazing you are. We thank you that you are strong and kind, that you are ready and willing and able to use each and every one of us in your kingdom, young and old, male and female. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, let's stand and sing. <clears throat> so this song, uh, I think it was played in church or in a video or something like that, but I knew Emily sent it out for the kids' ministry, and so I figured it has kids in the song, and we'd use Ryan for carrying that part.
is the good news of the gospel that all of us can run to him because he is strong and kind that one of the unique impacts of Jesus in this world as a leader claiming to be king was that men and women felt comfortable to run to him young and old sinners and saints because of who he was May we live into that reality. And so would you mind going back to the chorus and sing it twice to sing us out as our benediction. Keep us day and night We can all